Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Today, I want to focus your attention on a verse in the magnificent first chapter of John's Gospel. There are so many lyrical lines in that whole chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, for example. Or, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. You may know some of those. Well, today there is this verse that has my eye. From the fullness of Christ, we have all received grace upon grace. 
Maybe you have some sense in your life of what grace means. So what does grace upon grace then mean? Well, let me read five verses from John's first chapter, beginning at the 14th verse. And then I'll say a few words about the meditation ahead. John 1. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is the only Son who is close to the Father's heart, who has made God known. Well, there you have it from John, grace upon grace. It's the phrase we use, or he uses rather, when speaking of what we have received from Christ. Now, as you listen to my message today, I want to inform you of what happens at the end of it. In our congregation, we refer to the second weekend in November as Joy Weekend. All of our services are oriented around members of the church making financial pledge commitments for the coming year of ministry. Why do we do this? It's because we build our ministry goals and our budget around the people's generosity. So there's actually a procession forward at the close of my sermon or meditation where everybody present puts some offering or some sign of love for God or symbol of gratitude to God in large baskets up at the front of the church. But let me not get ahead of myself. First, take a listen. There's a gentleman in this congregation who this summer moved into an assisted living uh, center. And he did so because, or his family moved him there, because his memory is declining. He's a marvelous creature. He makes fast friends with the uh, aides who work in this caring community, and the residents love him. Um, but he's not too many steps away, probably, from the memory unit. Well, uh, something happened uh, negatively this fall. His family would bring him home on Saturdays uh, for a home-cooked meal and for the house that he loved and the space that he knew for so many years, and he started acting out. He started getting angry. His, he regressed. His language became foul in a way that he normally doesn't speak. And it happened at home, and it would happen when he'd go back to this uh, caring community. So the family decided to sit down with the administrator and try to figure out what's going on. And she told them something that was very helpful. She said, on average, it takes about 21 days for a person to settle into a new environment and to kind of get into the flow of the patterns of living in that space. Every time you remove him from this environment, even if it is a home-cooked meal, even if it is a drive in the community, even if it is taking him back to the place he loves, 
That's like setting the 21-day clock back to zero. And he has to start all over again, relearning the environment and the habits of living there. So what this administrator was basically saying to them is true for all of us in a different way. We accumulate experiences in our lives that allow us to do certain things, that give us a sort of sense of security and comfort just by the habit of these accumulated experiences. They provide us with um, comfort. They offer us the possibility of developing talent and, and skill. They bring us confidence and so much more. And when those layers of experience get interrupted, we regress. So take, for example, if there were a piano student studying in here, um, every lesson that that student has is built on the prior lesson. So the techniques and the skills that one's learning in any given lesson is all built on the layers of previous lessons. If you take a year and a half off and you get back on the keyboard, you can't start where you left off. You have to relearn all kinds of things that are lost. Same thing is true in learning a language. When I get on the treadmill in the morning and I turn on the radio, uh, it is, well, it's actually on my phone. It's, I, I hear this commercial every day, multiple times. It's obnoxious, but it has to do with a language learning subscription app called Babbel. B-A-B-B-E-L. Yeah, some of you know this well. And you could probably repeat the, the claim that they make. Ten minutes a day. Ten minutes a day. And in three weeks, you can have all that you need to have a real-world conversation in another language. Well, that, I'm here to tell you, is a bunch of crock, as you know full well, too. They, they give the impression you're going to be fluent, and of course, you're not. You, you, you might have some verbs down or some vocabulary down. Our language, like so many things in life, is accumulated knowledge. It's built up over time. And if you were to sit down and think of all of the things in realms of your life that are accumulated, that make you who you are, beyond your accumulating of wealth or junk in the garage or some of those obvious things, I think you could fill an entire pad of paper with lists of things that have accumulated in your life and shape you. So if you're over 70 years old, or maybe we should take that back to 60 or 50, let's start with 40 years old, um, you have all of these accumulated aches and ailments and things that you think about with respect to your health, right? It's not like you have arthritic hands and, you know, that gets solved. And so when your blood pressure elevates, now you can deal with that and you just solve that. And, and then once that's solved, well, you know, you got some hearing issues. So you see the audiologist, well, that's all taken care of. And then you get this eczema on your skin and you think, well, a little cream, that's all taken care of. And then you got your ingrown toenail, you deal with that. And... No, it all accumulates. You got all these things to carry with you every single day. And when you and I finally turn our bodies into the Lord, they're going to be shop-worn. And they are going to be ready for a resurrection. I'm pretty confident. It's like our lives are ten-layer cakes, you know. Or like interest that compounds, compounding interest. Things just keep 
developing some really good things and some really hard things as well. Well, guess what? Faith is also a cumulative experience. If you've never thought of it this way, just wait until you have a crisis in your life. Something that you don't want to have happen. Something that's unexpected. And either you will have accumulated layers and layers of of, of a prayer life that counts. You've either got perspective from all the years and efforts you've made to practice the faith. You either have this confidence and this godly hope because you have placed your trust in the Lord Jesus. Or you're shipwrecked. You're lost. You're angry. You treat God as if God has personally failed you. Now, people who make room in their life for like one visit a year to church, or maybe two, let's say, which it really is, it's like a visit, it's just a pop-in, a kind of a cameo, you know, poking in, because that's all they may have room to make for it in their life. But, you know, I often think that faith for them must be like a jacket that you, you, you put on and you take off. And some days you might feel like wearing the jacket of faith, and other days, no. Because your faith is fine, your life is fine, it's pleasant, it's happy, it's healthy, everything's working. I don't need the jacket. But what if faith, the best kind at least, were sticky faith? That it attaches to your life. And in layered fashion, it just keeps growing. So every table grace you say builds on the last one that you said until you have a life that's full of God. What if if faith is sticky and it attaches to your life and it walks with you wherever you go? You know, it permeates your life. It imbues who you are so that you have a particular identity that's been shaped by the sticky faith that attaches to you. The inspiration for this worship service is this uh, first chapter of John's Gospel, where John writes about Jesus Christ, this one who's full of grace and truth. And then he says, from the fullness of Jesus Christ, we have all received grace upon grace. He doesn't say we've received grace. We have received grace upon grace. And what John is basically saying is that Christ's love for us and mercy for us is not just a positive, but it's multiple positives. It's not just goodness, but it's layers of goodness. And we have a colloquial expression for that. It's three words, and then some. And we use it all the time. Bill Campbell on piano here, he has all kinds of talent, you might say. And then some. You have, to, you, you have to pay for your brother to come into town so that your parents can be visited. You can pay for it. You've got the money for it. And then some. You go to a meal. It's a buffet meal where the host says, you know, there's enough for room for seconds for everybody. And then some. We use the phrase all of the time to mean there's more. In fact, there's we emphasize there's plenty more. It's kind of like Jesus who gives and gives and gives and then some. 
his whole philosophy of life has to do with helping us try to picture what would it be like if we could live this and then some kind of life. Go beyond the expected. Go beyond the minimum in this effort or that one. Go beyond what's natural. Go beyond human instinct. He even preaches a sermon one time where he says, if someone strikes you on the cheek, let them do so. And then some, just turn your other cheek. If someone takes the coat off your back, well, let them do it. And then some. Give them your shirt. It's grace upon grace, layers of goodness in your life that add up over time so that faith becomes a kind of sticky thing, which is so awesome. For people for whom faith is really casual, you know, it's not a, a, a big deal. Those who think of faith as just a jacket, you just sort of, you put it on if you're chilly and you want a little religion. There's no real sense they must have that God's goodness just keeps piling on. From the bird you saw at the feeder this morning to the sunshine that made you glow to the breath that powers your lungs in these songs we sing. The best friend of someone who's the jacket kind of faith dies. The best friend dies. They can't feel, they don't know these layers of goodness that can accumulate if we nurture them and grow them over time. So let me close with a story here. It's a brief story. It's from Langston Hughes. And if you were educated uh, like I was without reading much literature by black authors, you got to know Langston Hughes. He was a Harlem Renaissance guy, a great poet, great playwright. And in 1958, he wrote this brief short story called, Thank You, Ma'am. It begins like this. A large woman with a large purse, Mrs. Luella Bates Washington Jones, was walking home late one night, alone, when some boy came from behind mugged her to take her purse, didn't get the purse, fell to the ground, and she grabbed him, a boy named Roger. She grabbed him and asked him why he tried to steal her purse. He told her a couple of lies, which she called him on, and then he came clean. He said he wanted to buy a pair of blue suede shoes. So he didn't assault her out of desperation. He didn't assault her out of hunger. He assaulted her out of greed. He assumes he's going to jail, but she instead takes him home. She brings him into her house. The first thing she has him do is wash his face because he has a dirty face. And instead of lecturing him, she cooks him a meal, complete with dessert. It's her unexpected behavior that, that just undoes this guy. It has an effect on him, because when she entered, she put her purse on the table or on a couch. He could have walked to that person and walked right out the door as she went into the kitchen, but no. He finds he no longer wants to do that. He asks if he can even help buy some milk at the store while she's preparing the dinner. She declines that offer. She fills his plate. She fills his plate a second time, and then some. And this is what Langston Hughes writes. The woman, she didn't ask the boy anything about where he lived or his folks or anything else that would embarrass him. Instead, as they ate, she told him about her job in a hotel beauty shop that stayed open late 
and what the work was like. And she cut him half of a 10-cent cake. Eat some more, son, she said, and then some. When they were finished eating, she got up and she said, now here, you take these $10 and you go buy some blue suede shoes. She walks him to the front door, opens it up into the night, sees him to the bottom of the steps. She says, good night. Behave yourself, boy. And this is how Langston Hughes concludes the story. The boy wanted to say something else more than, thank you, ma'am, to Mrs. Luella Bates, Washington Jones. But though his lips moved, he couldn't even say that. As he turned at the foot of the step, looked up at the large woman in the door, and walked into the night. Luella, she doesn't shrug off this uh, boy's wrongdoing, his misdeeds. She bears the cost of those misdeeds. She layers grace upon grace into his life in this little short story. And he no longer wants to do wrong. He's full of gratitude. He's full of it. But the weight of grace is such he can't even find the words to express it. You have the life you have, and I have the life I have, because we have all received grace upon grace. These layers of goodness in our lives. So in just a moment, you're going to come forward. You get to put something in these baskets that express the fact that, yeah, you've got sticky faith, and your life is layered with goodness. Don't worry if you don't have a financial offering, or if you give online, it's great. Don't worry if you don't have a pledge card today. If you're a St. Paul person, take care of it soon. But put something in this plate that demonstrates your faith. My wife Susan and I, we try to, we try to, we pledge every year. And every year I think, this is really hefty. And it's really small. It's hefty because it requires something of us and we try to increase it. And it's small because I look at the size of this place and I wonder what difference it'll make. And then I realize, wait a minute, it's layered. We're all in this together. It's adding our generosity together and something happens. So enjoy the walk. Follow the person in front of you as if it were going, coming to communion. And uh, sing or enjoy the music as you walk. Amen.
invite you to join me in prayer as we say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So another week is at hand for you to commit yourself to that sticky kind of faith, that faith where you get to layer all the goodnesses of God into your life. So bless you on your journey. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.